Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you, so let's do this together. Hope. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about it lately, about the fact that it's the lifeblood of the human existence, and how without it we lose our will to survive, to live. We lose touch with our innate internal resilience factor as soon as we give up hope and declare ourselves or our circumstances irredeemable and hopeless. Hope is what keeps civilization afloat, so to speak, because at the individual and collective level, hope keeps us looking forward. Hope allows us to maintain faith and courage in the face of incredible situations because we hold this deep inner belief that somehow things will get better or at least be used for some eventual good. But of course, as we know, hope by itself can only go so far. Hope must be tied to a divine source in order to have its full impact. Otherwise, it is only optimism. This is why people of spiritual nature ought to be, and generally are, some of the most hopeful souls out there. Because their hope goes beyond just positive thinking, to actually being connected to the one who alone gives life its meaning and perspective, regardless of the circumstances. This is why Paul wrote in Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Hope comes from God himself. He is the God of hope and joy. Peace and believing are results of his Holy Spirit filling you so that you can thrive in that hope. Understanding this means that hope must be an actively essential part of our daily existence. We need to tap into it over and over again, in order to live the abundant life Jesus said that he came to give us. We cannot do life without him and then claim that things are hopeless, that we've been screwed and there's nothing more that can be done. Those are lies from the enemy, whose sole objective is to get us discouraged, distracted, and desperate, because he knows that's when we'll start to doubt and distance ourselves from God and that hopeful center we're meant to operate out of. Suffering has a way of making us forget the hope we have, It can cloud our judgment and vision to the point where we begin to question hope itself and then eventually the God of hope as well. It is the ultimate test of just how far we can be pressed and still hold on to what is true, regardless of how we feel about it or what the situation appears to be telling us. We need hope all the time. It keeps us going, but especially in a season of great adversity or pain, hope is our lifeline. It's the active force that gives us the ability to keep moving forward even in the face of tremendous hardship. In times like these, we need hope more than ever, and we need the God of hope more than ever. Today, I want to take you to Exodus chapter 3, where we'll find a few truths about maintaining hope and suffering that I hope will encourage you 
and give you some fresh perspective on whatever difficulties you may currently be walking through. So without further ado, let's get started. Exodus chapter 3 is the story of God's conversation with Moses at the burning bush. In God's providence, Moses had spent his youth growing up in the Egyptian pharaoh's court, a Jew learning the ways of a foreign power. Due to an incident where Moses stood up for one of his Hebrew people and murdered an Egyptian that was mistreating them, he fled to the desert parts for safety. This is where we now find him, tending sheep and living the nomadic life when God comes to speak with him. It is worth noting here, before we get much further in the story, that God again proves that he comes to the banished and the outcasts, that God knows about us and everywhere we've been, that God sees what we're going through and visits us in the desert places, desiring to meet us where we're at and show himself loving and faithful and steadfast in the face of what we're going through. There is no pain we've gone through, no wilderness we've walked, where God has not gone before and cannot relate fully to how we feel. Having been tempted and tested and tried just as we are and yet overcome, we have a Savior and a friend who knows our frame and sympathizes with us in every way. How comforting a fact is this. Continuing on, the first thing we see is God consecrating the space in which this conversation happens. The desert which, moments ago, held no special significance, has now transformed into the location of a divine encounter. God tells Moses not to come any closer to the burning bush and to take off his shoes, for the ground on which he is now standing is holy, sanctified. This, to me, is profound because of the metaphoric picture it paints of all our wildernesses. God takes this barren, lonely, and insignificant space and powerfully transforms it into a place of holy encounter. The desert becomes a location where we meet with God. I don't think most of us, when we find ourselves in this wilderness season, are inclined to right away think, Yay, this is a place where I get to encounter God. We're too hurt, too confused, too frustrated, too fearful. All our reasons for being there appear negative. Yet God is looking at this time as special, important, life-changing. God is seeing the desert as an opportunity. Where we see inconvenience, God is planning redemption and transformation. Something worth remembering. Once God has Moses' attention, we then get into the heart of what God wants to say. We notice a few key points that he desires to get across to Moses, and by extension, the Hebrew people who were enslaved by the Egyptians. The first thing we see is this. The suffering has not gone unnoticed. God has seen. I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Second Chronicles 16.9 states, that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It may seem from a human standpoint as though the world and all its problems are pretty big for one being to handle, that the issues you as one little person on this planet are dealing with are too minute for God to care about. But the truth is, God can handle all of it. 
God is constantly watching and observing all the happenings in the earth and is all the while giving strong support to those whose hearts are devoted and blameless toward him. God notices what's going on in your life more than you even realize, and that should comfort you, to know that nothing that's going on with you is escaping the sight of God. Now, this may sometimes bring on mixed feelings because it may feel as though if God really sees what's going on, he should do something about it, and he's not. We can get frustrated with God because it seems callous that someone as powerful and capable as God, someone as all-seeing as God, could choose not to act in a certain situation. In these moments, we must remember that God won't always answer in the way or time in which we expect. Just because God has seen our trouble doesn't mean he's instantly going to fix the circumstances or take the pain away. Sometimes he knows that we need to endure this trial for a while. Doing away with it immediately wouldn't be good for us. At this point, it is up to us to submit to that harsh providence and be okay with not being okay for a season. God still notices what's taking place and he will resolve it, just maybe not in the means or the timing we expect or want. Number two, God has heard. I have heard their cry. Not only does God pay attention to us in the form of visual observation, but he also listens. As it says in Psalm 34:15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. All of God's senses are engaged in our plight. God isn't just turning a deaf ear to us and refusing to hear our prayers, our pleadings, and our complaints. The tears we've shed and the anguish we've expressed and the whys we've asked have all made their way to heaven where God is gathering them and giving full attention to them. Every word you've said to the heavens, even the bitter angry ones, have all been noted by and heard by God. Other religious gods cannot hear you. Even those closest to you in heart cannot hear you at all times in all places. Only God has the ability to listen no matter where you are and what is going on. And that's pretty incredible if you ask me. Number three, God knows. I know their sufferings. Before these hard times even hit you, God was aware of them. He saw it coming. Although it may have surprised you, it didn't surprise God. He knew what was ahead, and he knew what he desired to accomplish through it. This means that any and all of your trials are ordained and allowed by God for specific purposes, and that none of them catch him off guard. Nothing so bad can happen in your life that God has not measured out the grace strength, and courage needed to face it, and has given you what you require to get through it. He has even prepared you for it in ways you are probably unaware. Your sufferings are not strangers to God. And not only does he know about them, even more, he knows about you. He knows how you're going to respond. He knows what you're going to need. He knows what type of person you'll be on the other side of it. He knows the beginning, middle, and ending of this season and is actively working on your behalf through all of it. Which brings us to the final part of this divine noticing. Number four, God is always on the way. I have come down to deliver them. We've spoken about this a lot on the podcast. God is never not on the way. His very name is Emmanuel, God with 
us. God is a relational being. He is at any time actively engaged in our deliverance. He is constantly setting plans in motion that, while different from our view, are fulfilling all he desires in these difficult seasons, bringing about all his previously determined ways and purposes. God doesn't just leave us to fend for ourselves and figure our way out. No, God is always in a state of coming, getting closer, drawing near, meeting with us. A plan has already been set into motion for your relief. You may not see it for a while, but it's happening, and it will reach you in his perfect time. So first we saw that the suffering has not gone unnoticed, and we just touched on four ways in which God tells Moses this is happening. Now he shifts into two other components of his message, the second one being, the suffering induces a call. God uses desert seasons to call us to greater things. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Understandably, Moses responds to this with some fear and trepidation. After all, he'd fled Pharaoh's court years before in fear for his life after killing that Egyptian. So to go back to a place where he'd once been a wanted man was a little bit intimidating. Such is the case for all of us when we find ourselves wondering at what God is saying in our suffering seasons. And yet, the call still stood. Would he answer it? God puts his mind at ease by reminding him, I will be with you. And that is the comfort we cling to when faced with such seemingly insurmountable troubles. God will always be with us. And God purposely uses wilderness moments to draw us away from the everyday grind so that he can speak to us without distraction on our part. So we can clearly hear the call to holier, greater things that he is placing before us. God sees what he wants from us, in us, and through us on the other side of our suffering, and there is always a hidden purpose behind what is going on. There is a call to something deeper, richer, fuller than we initially comprehend on the surface, and it's up to us in that suffering to discover and listen to what that is, to hear what God might be saying and present ourselves as did Samuel and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Finally, we notice the last part of God's words to Moses and the principle they carry. Suffering always brings with it a promise. God doesn't take us through suffering without conveying a promise in the midst. I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction. There is always a measured duration to the trial you are walking through. It is not open-ended and negotiable. It is not random. It has been predetermined so that there is always the hope of knowing that this will not last forever. Either in this life or the next, deliverance, relief, is coming. The trick is learning to be patient when, in our humanness, all we want is to just be over this and get to the good part. To be happy again. To be pain-free again. To see the resolution. But the reality is, in order to arrive there and fully appreciate it, we need to keep walking through the adversity in front of us right now. We need to accept our present sorrow as our lot and remember that the only way to that ending is through what's going on right here. While the waiting period might be trying and uncomfortable, we have the assurance that God will not leave us in this state forever. The darkness will not last. The sun will rise and shine again. 
It just may take a bit, and we need to be all right with that. To practice that divine art of contentment Paul spoke about when he said he learned how to be at peace in all situations. So in review, we have seen three main things God wanted to convey to his suffering people and to Moses, just as he wants to convey to us today. One, that our suffering has not gone unnoticed. God sees, God hears, God knows, and God is on the way to help. Number two, that God is using this time to call us to greater things. And number three, that God will fulfill his promise to bring you out when the time is right. So then, what is the hope we have? What gives us the ability to keep going through tough situations and still find a way to believe and trust? All of this can perhaps be summed up in the lyrics to an old 10th Avenue North song I've leaned on in my own seasons of suffering. The chorus reads, I have this hope in the depths of my soul. In the flood or the fire, you are with me and you won't let go. When you boil everything down, you realize that the only thing you really need and all the things we've talked about today in this episode are centered around the simple fact that God is with us and he will never let us go. Not when the night is blackest or the pain is heaviest, not in the loneliness, not in the desolation. The fact that God even notices it all or cares to use any of this for good at all is proof that we are never alone and that he is holding on to us even when our grip is slipping and we're questioning if we're going to make it through. God desires to show his presence and accessibility to us in our desert places and will even sometimes light up a bush with fire just to let us know that this thing called life, he's in this with us and that all our tears and prayers are in the process of being answered. We need hope, but not just optimism. We need this hope, that God is actively engaged in the plan for our relief and that he is present with us in the midst of our pain, even as he simultaneously continues to keep the whole world in motion and attend to all the other problems and people on this planet. He is not just standing by as you suffer. He is standing with you as you suffer. He who is our suffering Savior, who endured the cross and the scoffing of sinners, who had his flesh torn to pieces, who sweat drops of blood, who even asked that his Father take the cup from him and let him not drink it, that Savior is here with you now, holding you, speaking peace to you, comforting you, reminding you that even this will be used for your good. In the flood or the fire, you are with me and you won't let go. That is the hope we have. And that is the hope that will sustain us always in everything, no matter how hard. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.